campers! Oh, here's a lot of leisure here. Again, out on location in the real world. The reason is to give everyone a good sense of what the British weather's like. So here it is. Bet you wish you were here instead of Miami, don't you? Welcome to the Boo Sometimes Podcast. Ho, 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 campers. Welcome to a festive podcast. You've just caught me stuffing grandma ready for roasting on a warm fire. The kids are tying fairy lights round the dog and the missus here just got back from Ann Summers with a gift for me. Though she said I had to wait later for that. Anyway, dear people, I see Paul wants me to share his Christmas spirits with you all. Hey man, toss that beer my way too. I'm more than happy to throw things at you, Mr. Voiceover Man. Having just endured the classic British weather for all what? 30 seconds of silliness? Now before I move on, some certain people have made comments about the rush job of episode 11, and they did wonder what the point was after all my mutterings on that podcast. After all, I just seemed to meander around the same thing over and over again like a drunk man looking for that golden kebab shop after enjoying one too many glasses of fine port. So, episode 11, what was it all about? Well, it was mainly about the evil coffee shops taking over the world. The moral of the cast was, we have women to blame for them getting so popular, all men in them always seem miserable, and you can only have coffee served in silly-shaped cups. Okay, I do have to retract the last statement slightly. Starbucks do normal-looking cups, except they're stupidly large sizes. Seriously, my head would fit in one of those cups, and as you all know, my head is rather big. Now that's a statement that will cause a stampede. There we are, just summed up 30 minutes of useless drivel. Alright, 22 minutes of drivel, the other 8 minutes were two great pieces of music, and apparently the funniest advert we've ever showcased. Well, it made Natalie laugh, so I take that as a moral victory. You're listening to the Oh Ho Ho Sometimes Podcast. It's a Christmas, which is an ass. Ah, yes, this podcast being released in December, there is no way I couldn't work in some crap about Christmas. Of course, this has actually been recorded in November, so how can I bring it up now? Well, the shops did it first. Did anyone notice the fact that the lights and decorations have happened a hell of a lot sooner than ever before? The day after bonfire night, where we celebrate someone failing to blow something up, and frankly in this day and age where the super bombers shouting Mohammed Jihad are getting hot and bothered everywhere, you'd think we'd have a celebration like that every day. But anyway, the day after bonfire night, Telford was opening its Christmas lights with the help of two blokes in women's clothes. Pantomime or not, I still think that's scary. The desperation for shops is growing ever more apparent. With rising prices in everything from house rates to childcare, including the price of petrol, which at the time of recording was averaging a pound and two pence a litre, and ginger toupees topping over twenty pence to buy, everyone will now be looking to use their good old flexible friend to afford Christmas. And the shops want you to. The sales have started already. And even walking past phones for you, for instance, the salesmen are there calling you to a false phone paradise. Filled with phones they can say they can iron your trousers for you, hoover the chimney, and allow you to surf the text web all for seven pence a year. Why can't Anne Summerstaff entice you inside for a change? 
I mean, surely with award-winning products in questionable shapes and sizes, and the art of exotic dancing on DVD, you're surely onto a hit for all the family this Christmas. Oh, well, maybe just be me. But surely, given the iffy climate of credit limits running out, the US house crisis, for instance, and various UK banks starting to ask the Bank of England, Please, sir, can I have some more? At long last, should people actually realise they need to stop and see what they're doing? I've had to of all the spending I've been doing over the past few months, and that's why I've been an IT guy for hire, gunning down all servers that threaten the digital paradise that flows through the workplace. Frankly for me, the magic of Christmas is lost. It's now just become two extra days off a year, and having to spend stupendous amounts of money to make it look like you're not Scrooge. I'm acting like Scrooge now, but with good reason. They don't even do Christmas telly anymore properly. What happened to the great shows like Only Fools and talent like Muckham and Wise who could command millions of viewers easily? The only thing I have to look forward to is Doctor Who. And with the recent season 3, I have doubts it will last much longer. Christmas, you tend to get annoyed at the family and eat enough to feed the country of Ethiopia. But not this year. This year, I am breaking with tradition and spending Christmas with the glorious lady friend known as the Russian. <laughs> Actually, that sounds pretty cool. The Russian is either someone who breaks elbows for the mob or a hit crime fighter on the streets of San Francisco or something. But no, I refer to Natalie, the Russian. And we are heading off to the city of Prague for a couple of days before returning back for more grand works of cleaning our teeth and sweeping the streets. No idea what we'll do there. <laughs> um, yes. Um, as the 24th to the 26th of December is a national holiday in the Czech Republic, so it'll be interesting to see what exactly goes on and what people do in other countries. Do they still care about Christmas, for instance? Or, like us, are they doomed to an Xbox-filled nightmare with Grandad Wien on the carpet and the little sister throwing the pudding at the fire not realising it's filled with rum? All I know is, just in case the places are shut for Crimbo Dindins, I have an army of pork pies and pot noodles ready to deploy at a moment's notice. Ah, I feel festive now. Some music, some talk, some British guy, what more do you need? The Ooh Sometimes Podcast. Now, for the first time on the podcast, we have some music in another language. But the tune is absolutely superb. Honestly, campers, you'll love it. It's Janoon and Nazar.
Tell you what, when I first heard that play back to me, I instantly loved it. The music's brilliant. Lots of touches here and there. No idea what they're singing, mind you. For all I know, they're selling you washing powder or trying to tell you how to wash a car. Still, never mind. Cracking tune anyway. That was Janoon with the song Nazar. And just go to the website for the spelling of that. And once again, that comes courtesy of our friends at magnatune.com. Yes, those good old eggs over there. For the link, just go to the blog at usometimes.com. And now we forge ahead with something new. Hello, I'm Mr. Voiceover Man. That's all I wanted to say. It's just that I never get any fan mail, and, well, it's getting me a bit down. So I figured I'd shoehorn my way here and make one simple request. Come on, people. Show me the love. Welcome to a place where we look at some games. Laugh at them, too. Puzzle them to be extra funny we say their names and that they smell a poem. Welcome to Gamer's Corner. On who sometimes? That jingle's a work in progress, by the way. Now, in a new segment on the podcast, a late addition at the end of the year, I grant you, but I'm returning to my roots. I've always been a geek, pushing buttons and playing games since my first computer, a Commodore 64 at the age of nine. Thanks, Mum and Dad. Because my rise to fame has only come from getting frustrated at dying at Flimber's Quest through to Lemmings on the Amiga, coming on to the likes of Descent and Warcraft on the PC, I've seen a wee bit. And because I do like playing games, I mean, if I've lasted this long in World of Warcraft nearly two years after the release, I must be good, 
I figure I could combine my Lord of Leisure skills with the art of laughing at various attempts at entertainment, and I could get away with saying I was providing a public service. So here we are, a new segment on the podcast, Gamer's Corner. Today, be prepared to be dismayed at Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare. Go on without me, Jimmy. I can't leave you here. Uh, Oh no, what's the point? Now that I've realistically set the scene there... Don't say anything, I know, I know. What's one more war game, eh? We've got loads of the bloody things, all with screaming people with various attire on their heads, blowing themselves up, and then you're the elite squad sent in to single-handedly win the world war, while winning the heart of your loved lady for the chance to make babies. Saving Private Ryan sums it all up, even including the unnecessary bloody beat battle. But the Call of Duty series has prided itself on setting up fantastic set pieces along with tragic war music and little speeches by your computer pals to make you think it was just an interactive film. And up until now, they've all been set during World War II, the sequel to the award-winning war, World War I, where lots of people died and a certain Mr. Hitler was being very rude at crashing various countries' parties, stealing all the beer and urinating on all the rugs, uttering, Whoops! Sorry! My bad! German Embassy Online too now. But after Call of Duty 3, which was more of the same except effing rubbish, it appears the producers have decided they've had enough of World War II, killing Nazis using set pieces and dramatic war music, and decided to kill modern-day baddies instead, using set pieces and dramatic war music. Now after that brilliant setup, you'd be thinking, they're just going to churn out the same crap again, aren't they? But maybe they've used different graphics and gun sounds. And you'd be 100% right. You still play as different factions, you still end up taking the bad guy's weapons because they're better than yours, and you still get the English captain computer player guy who clearly has spent lots of time wandering around Oxford remarking on how everything is charming. But wait, gentle listeners, there are differences. For a start, the way the recommended difficulty is given to you is nicely refreshing for this series, challenging you to kill wood while throwing flashbangs at a... thing around a British training camp. And the faster you complete, the higher the level you're recommended to start at. But being perfectly honest, after 15 attempts to get better than 35 seconds, I got annoyed. The best time set by some asshole is 19 seconds, and I failed to see how that was achieved. Because you have to wait for the instruction of the English captain before you proceed through the maze. And it appears half the time the bloody thing doesn't register where you are. And therefore you have to keep going back and then waiting for the captain to shout, Woo I mean, sorry, shoot him. Flashbang that, rape that village, sweep the chimney, and any other thing he wants until you reach the end. And then there's the way the game loads. Actually setting the scene with whizzy wireframe animations and talking while loading so you don't actually feel like all you have to do is scratch yourself at a happy place until the game starts. It's a nice touch there, actually. No pun intended. And I have to admit, the way the game plays out after the first lot of British wattoing is certainly different. And you have to see it for yourself. Warning. The next bit contains spoilers from the game. You are suddenly seeing the viewpoint of the former president of some crappy country where it appears everyone is getting shot and you're next. You are driven through the streets and then dragged to a stake and then executed on television. I had never seen that in a Call of Duty game before and it was most effective at grabbing my attention, let me tell you. However, from that, the same format from the previous games got on its high horse and rode off to town. 
you had the Brits doing things with only three people. One Russian is there, but, well, in all honesty, who counts the commie? Uh, never mind. Anyway, as being British, you are being all noble and professional to the bitter end. What o chin wag, spiffy whiffing, blah, blah, blah. And then you go to the American campaign side, where it appears the developers have gone out of their way to demonstrate what a bunch of f**kwits the Americans can be when it comes to war. For a first mission, you have to go and kill someone. Well, it appears to be the guy who executed you in the intro. And it appears from the word go, the running in with guns blazing approach seems to work, because everyone is happy running headlong into hordes of terrorists, only if you're an American. And yes, they go even as far as making in-jokes about the current military engagements in certain areas. <coughs> with crap accents at the end of the mission. So much for military intelligence. <laughs> if Kermit and Miss Piggy popped up from behind the screen at that point, I would have thrown down the keyboard and mouse in disgust there and then and gone for a walk. There's another mission where, after running away from people, you end up in a helicopter blowing things up by looking through the camera pictures they show on the news where the Americans have bombed everything in sight and it's all fuzzy. The problem I have with this bit is... Everyone looks the bloody same, so how are you meant to tell the difference between friend and foe? They are very helpful though, the guys you're flying with, saying, don't bomb our good people before restarting the mission and you have to do it all over again. For the little niggles, I must say, I've always been a fan of the Call of Duty series and therefore all the things I love in here are still in full force. For all the silliness, the interactive movie style of game playing is certainly the best part of the game, and the graphics once again have been significantly improved. But is there enough difference in Call of Duty 4 to Call of Duty 2, the last Call of Duty to appear on PC? Well, in single player, just. In multiplayer, once again, just. It's all very close in my mind, but what puts it over the top was the fantastic intro sequence, which made me look into this game twice. Not even Hellgate London managed that. So my rating using the fantastically strange 1 to 10 system, with 1 being complete bollocks while 10 being the dog's bollocks, with a special rating of 12 reserved for extreme examples of goodness, my rating for Call of Duty 4 is 8. It's very good, but don't be fooled that it's a complete remake on the older games. Excuse me, I'd like to know how you're doing our World of Warcraft, because I stay indoors. Well, Mr. Stay Indoors Man, I will tell you now how I am doing on World of Warcraft! I got to level 43, which means I've got a horsey. It's not as exciting as I thought it would be, is it? That's Gamers Corner. Woo! Tune in next time where I'll talk about games. And also question, where on the podcast can you actually place a corner? The Ooh Sometimes Podcast. Some scenes may be unsuitable for everyone. You gave your uncle Lowry a toaster, and you gave your cousin Mary Lou a mop. But what you gave to Cause the itching and the burning will not stop I got syphilis for Christmas We started kissing underneath the mistletoe Then she gave
Family at Christmas time. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to put that in. I couldn't interrupt the beginning. It, um, it speaks for itself. Um, right, that was the Knuckle Kids and I Can't Syphilis for Christmas. <laughs> Download it from PodsafeAudio.com and. <laughs> part of the podcast where for once you the discerning listeners get to choose what you want me to talk about I ask the question on Facebook what do you want to listen to on the next podcast and Nigel Parsons answered I would like to hear an in-depth and serious review of an X-rated movie that you have watched without laughing well I never like to disappoint the audience so without any further ado and without laughing I present a review of the X-rated film from America known as Neighbours. Which, first off, is not an X-rated film. According to the DVD sleeve, it's a romantic comedy. Well, it sounds better, at least. Starring bizarrely named people known as Stormy Daniels, Exotica, and Voodoo, the film focuses on Miranda, a broken-hearted yet amazingly large-breasted beauty who can't seem to start dating again. She lives with her crazy stepbrother and is surrounded by some pretty strange neighbours, 
which doesn't help her situation. Luckily for Miranda, handsome musician Jake, a man only capable of wearing vests and combat pants, has just moved into the neighborhood. Hmm, I wonder what plot device he will be. Probably the one that vibrates. The blurb on the DVD goes on to say, although she's reluctant, she can't help her growing feelings for Jake. Miranda's ex-boyfriend shows up on her birthday trying to win her back, but only after she started to fall for Jake. Will Miranda go back to the one who broke her heart, or will she let her feelings for Jake be known? Dun 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 Now granted, the film's plot sounds as bad as 30 seconds on an episode of EastEnders, but remember, this will have scenes not suitable for half past seven at night. And being honest, they have to fill the back of the sleeve with some rubbish to try and sway from the fact that it's something you wouldn't show your kids. It has to be said that the writing on the film is tragically missing some gumption. The scenes in between the obvious naughty, which we'll come on to later, seems to lack all true signs of emotion from both the men and women, and it seems to only be a flimsy pretext to have the actors fornicate in various places. So let me give you an example. After a fairly lengthy introduction with credits and pictures of various parts of the film, we come to the main two women actresses who pull up in a fancy-looking car and then start talking about something pointless before going on to the fact that Miranda is living with a stepbrother and oh my, it appears he does very naughty things which is why he's living at her house at the moment and then it pans to a front room with a very muscular man and a woman with particularly average sized breasts and it is only here that we start seeing some signs of acting because when it comes to the sex that's all it is, an act the women are clearly the most notable because their faces always look like they're having surgery performed on them by the Chuckle Brothers the men's penis looks like it was a genetic experiment from the 1950s that's gone horribly wrong and has grown to such a size it would terrorize a small town. Suffice to say, the quality of the sex scenes is rather lacking. The two people in the front room, they are going for the motions as per your standard love scene with accompanying noises. But tragically, the woman, when she is enjoying the moment, sounds like a cross between a cat being strangled and Chewbacca. And amazingly, throughout this first sex scene, the man, who I should point out was the stepbrother, wore a snorkel. Quite ingenious, I thought, saves on splashback. But tragically, the same steps that are taken in this particular scene are repeated throughout various sex scenes for the rest of the film, so therefore once you've seen this, you know how the rest go. Variety, as they say, is the spice of life, and there was none shown here. So after the man and the woman finished their debauchery, it went back to the car, several minutes later where the women are still talking like only a few seconds have passed. What is going on? Did the rest of time and space stand still while the stepbrother and his lady performed unholy acts, and then once they were finished it all started up again? Somehow I doubt they would have catered for the possibility that Time Lords also appear in romantic comedies. The characters throughout the film are pretty two-dimensional, and the only true thing which comes close to being a highlight is the stepbrother, who seems perfectly happy wandering about in the nude and ruining perfectly bad moments of acting. At least there is some small attempt at true humour there. The other comedy device, however, is called Juan, and he is just bad. He appears to be sex-crazed, but resorts to bad clichés in order to carry himself through, and frankly, like old Yeller, he needs taking out the back and being shot. There are a couple of lesbians which like to frolic about in the film, but this detracts from the main plot as a cheap gimmick, and being honest, the production would have fared far better leaving them out. I know what I just said, and I'm sticking to it. I'm all for lesbians and their dilly-dallying on screen, but this is an artistic review of a film, and I have to stick to that level of detail, so it's a valid point. 
The locations just seem to stay within people's houses, and that's fine for the purpose of the film. I wouldn't expect from the description for events to unfold on the set of Scrappy Challenge. Although saying that, I'm more than certain there will be a film catering for those with such a wish. The sound is something else that lets the film down, as they appear to have used my first microphone by Fisher Price to record all the audio, with outside locations suffering the most from background noise, and you can hardly hear the actors. Maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing, I'm not entirely certain. But even indoor locations suffer from echo. I could carry on, but at the end of the day, I also have to remember the purpose of the film and does it fulfill its requirement. Is the film good enough to get the single spotty men, and possibly couples off, enough to enjoy themselves and maybe each other? And the answer is, it depends. If you are looking for various scenes involving women having everything done to them, who also, it seems, has silicon injected into every sexual organ, and men who have clearly applied for the Swedish penis enlargement kit, if they didn't, their parents should be proud, being perfectly frank, then you are in the right place. But if you need your sex scenes to have true context and have real flickers of passion along with an engaging storyline, then I suggest you look elsewhere. A fine example of a sex scene with emotional context is Monsters Ball starring Halle Berry, and simply because it stars Halle Berry. So, using the established in the last segment thing, scoring system with 1 to 10, with 12 being outstanding, I have to rate the X-rated film Neighbours a 6. It does the job, but you get better bang for your buck elsewhere. The Ooh Sometimes Podcast does more in a half hour than what Jack Bauer does in a day. So sadly, or happily, depending on your personification, we come to the end of December's podcast. I feel we've achieved much, haven't we? I've had a moan about Christmas, about Call of Duty, and actually managed to have a frank review on pornography. Although I'm just waiting for the calls and emails to come in on that one, though. I'm listening to that review, and now I feel violated. Yes, but you probably weren't as violated as the actors were. Anyway, next time the podcast will be taking a break from this new change around, and we will be focusing on the best of the You Sometimes Digital Noise thing, with music from some of the best bands featured, and a look back on the year of the Lord of Leisure. Hey, that's me! Yay! As always, if you want to suggest things for the podcast, please email to podcast at oosometimes.com. That's double O-H sometimes.com. Failing that, leave a comment on the blog, or even the MySpace, or the Facebook thing, or Carrier Pigeon. Just, you know, knock yourselves out with whatever you want to use. Oh, Mr. Voiceover Man, do you have any further words for our ever-growing audience? For all of you in the United Kingdom and across the pond, may you have the best for the holiday season. Knowing that I am talking to you now would make my British granny proud. I was raised on the Queen's English. I never quite got kippers, however. Merry Christmas, all, and Happy New Year. Ah, you sentimental old man. Fair play to you, mate. So... That goes from everyone as well. Please, whatever you're doing, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Many thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music. Asshole Slaughter for once again being Mr. Voiceover Man. Title music, as always, is by Seismic Anomaly. I am Paul Hughes, still the Lord of Leisure. And until next time, good people, remember, the Oxlow appeal is still going. Donate now! Bye! Woo! Bye! Yay! I need a crowd. <laughs>